Prologue In the early hours of Wednesday, the 18th of March, 1992, seven shots rang out through Victoria's rolling Barrable Hills. As the final recoil echoed, a sheep-breeding dynasty came to a bloody and inglorious end. No one could have anticipated the orgy of violence that wiped out three generations of the Wettenhall family, much less the lurid sex life of the man behind the world-famous Stanbury sheep stud, Darcy Wettenhall, that emerged from the gruesome aftermath. Now, 27 years later, the complex events leading to that night have been unraveled. Bob Perry had been Darcy Wettenhall's secret lover for a decade prior to his murder. He is key to understanding the extraordinary success of the award-winning Stanbury sheep stud. The multi-layered complexity of Darcy himself and the most grisly, bizarre and apparently motiveless murders the region had ever witnessed. From the bucolic majesty of Victoria's most prized pastoral lands to the bleak, loveless underworld of orphanages, rodeo stables and homeless shelters, the story of Bob Perry and Darcy Wettenhall is a sobering meditation on the fragility of reputation, the folly of deception, and the power of shame. Part 1 Chapter 1 The Business I wonder sometimes, was there a time before Bob Perry came into my life? When exactly did I meet him? Did he seek me out in order to tell this story? Sometimes you caught a story, but sometimes the story courts you. Other times it circles around like a vulture and you can try batting it away. You can say, I don't want to write you, but with some tales they just won't shut up. That's how The Devil's Grip was for me. About four years ago, my partner Pete and I were on one of our many trips back from Melbourne to our home in Inverlee in country Victoria. We were driving through the Barrable Hills with all its pretty farms and fancy ponies when we cut down Devon Road. Halfway along, there was a property called Stanbury, and Pete said casually, That's where that business happened with the Wettenhalls. What business? I asked. Well, don't you remember? A triple murder back in the 90s? And I did remember it vaguely. Something about a sheep breeder, aides, and a farm worker with shotguns. Had it been a hate crime? A crime of passion or a robbery gone wrong? These murders were of another ilk entirely. The victims were Darcy Wettenhall, a 52-year-old internationally renowned sheep breeder, Guy Wittenhall, his handsome 23-year-old son, a plumber, and 81-year-old Janet Wittenhall, a pillar of the sheep breeding establishment. There was a lover somewhere in the picture, all very cloak and dagger, Pete tells me. Little did I know that the lover and I were already acquainted. Pete remembered the cachet and aura of success that Darcy Wettenhall carried about him. When Darcy walked into a party, everyone turned their heads. He was quite a legend in his time. Pete had also known about his little secret before it came to light, so I could only guess how many other people did too. In 2012, I opened a bookshop in Colac. Having only recently moved to the country, it was a great way to be at the centre of a community and a fantastic vehicle to build connections with people. Colac is where I met Bob Perry, who is the reason I've written The Devil's Grip. Bob lives in the misty Otway Ranges near Colac and is gay, has been for years, and reads more books than anyone I know. Five or six years back, Bob had been on the phone to someone who'd been into town for a haircut. She'd been talking to her hairdresser, 
whose son worked at the menswear shop and reckoned there was a gay bloke opening a bookshop right in Murray Street. Well, he doesn't even hide it. The rumours turned out to be true and Bob came by one day and gave me that country wink us fellas live by down our way and he bought one of my novels. Soon he bought another and another and eventually I had to buy one of my own books off eBay to give him because I didn't have one single copy left. We chatted and became friendly. Then one day he said, Have I got a story for you? The story of The Devil's Grip began to unfold over a midwinter lunch in 2017. We were sitting around a table in Bob Perry's Carlisle River farmhouse with glasses of red wine, fire blazing. My partner, Peter Fairman, and Bob Perry both grew up on farms in Victoria's Barrable Hills, just west of Geelong. They knew the same families and acquaintances, shared many stories and laughed a lot about the past. It was like old home week when they got together, cosy as a western district kitchen at Smoker. I could listen to them for hours as they talked about who married who and which fella had run off with so-and-so's missus. But beneath all that bonhomie, each possessed a keen knowledge about the differences in class and background that governed social manoeuvring in the farming community, about the secrecy and shame that went hand in hand with grandiosity and respectability. So, the business at Stanbury was bound to come up again. How could it not? This time, photos came out from Bob's archive. The young man, handsome enough to break your heart in moleskins and blazer. Candles alight on his 21st birthday cake. The prize-winning sheep breeder, apparently in the prime of his life. And the rather grand old lady, hair drawn into a refined bun. Expression inscrutable. Images of all three of them lay scattered on the table amidst a photographic collage of prize-winning sheep, grinning kids, sunshine days, dogs and ponies, each face squinting back at us from a quarter of a century ago. I grabbed my phone and searched up some grainy news clippings from the local newspapers of the time. How sensational the articles were, how scant the background and shallow the reportage on this unwieldy beast of a story. But sensational it had been, and like all sensational stories, chunks of the truth were buried with the victims. We could tell this story, Bob, I said, glancing over the decades of memories sprawled before us. We could tell this, but it would have to come from you. You are key. It wouldn't be a betrayal of truth, but a rectifying of it. Bob sighed. I suppose someone will have to tell it soon, or everyone will be dead. The truth is, four people already were. Three of them died on the same night. The rest of us? Well, none of us is getting any younger. Chapter 2. The Farmer and the Fiddle All great fortunes start with a theft or a lie. This one began with both. A stolen prize-winning ram hidden in a chicken coop shortly after World War II and a cockamamie story about how the best beast on the entire stud was not fit for sale. It was a Corridale ram, the finest ram on the prestigious Elko Park stud, belonging to a former senator, James Francis Guthrie. It was the ram that would become the foundation sire to one of Victoria's most fetid sheep studs, Stanbury. It was the one that got away. Farming folk can say what they like about country people being easygoing, but in the world of livestock, it's all about breeding. It's about the pedigree of everything from the sheep and cattle to the pigs and dogs, 
Only then do you come to the humans. Wealthy Victorian farmers send their children away to private schools in Hamilton, Geelong, Ballarat, or Melbourne to have them return with clipped vowels and curious old English ways, while the less well-to-do toil away and school their kids locally. Their words tend to run together and some end up saying arcs instead of ask and use instead of you. In that sense, everyone gets what they pay for. There are hints of feudalism to it still, and in days past, people talked about people as people. Her people were Perrys or Fairmans or Drennans or whatevers. I pause in my dinner preparation one night when Bob says to Pete, No, no, his mother was a man. Only to be told she was a man. Nay, man, I say. No transgendered parents tucked away in the closet to add more colour then? The Western District is referred to often in Victoria, and it encapsulates lands west of Geelong and as far north as Ararat, extending west to Hamilton and Portland. It's a big, rich area of farming. The Barrable Hills are minutes from Geelong, but worlds away from Melbourne, even though Melbourne is only an hour away in the car or by train. People who stay in the district remember their lineage the way indigenous Aussies know their songlines. Protestants waltzed cautiously around Catholics in the dance halls of yore. Poorer men worked for richer men, and women married well or not so well. People were good lots or bad lots, much like land or livestock. He was a boozer and a basher, they'd say, or she never could keep her skirts down. Even today, the conversations of unreconstructed folk who populate Victoria's West might not please the politically correct, your pinagree sippers might hightail it, and your PC police flush scarlet with rage. In pubs, you feel the dark brood of masculinity. It's easy to tell who's had too many beers and hear the brutal timber of manhood in the profane language blokes use to hide any gentleness they might otherwise reveal. Occasionally, there might even be violence. Push some bloke's button when he's been on the grog and he's liable to knock you into next week. But seldom does it end in murder. Masculinity is a strange and dangerous brew, but, hell, you knew that already. Chapter 3 Elko Park, Far Away Robert Arthur Perry was born in 1948 in Hopetown, Victoria, and came to Barrable when he was four years old, the youngest of ten children. He arrived into the family when his mother was 42, and his second eldest sister was already completing her nursing certificate. It was his sister who told their mother about birth control, something she'd never heard of prior to her daughter's medical training. The Barrable Hills were an undulating green and gold canvas for Bob's colourful childhood. It was there he learned to play, work, and where eventually he married. Bob's family was not rich, but they were a loving, rambling bunch, no strangers to affection, and his parents were both teetotalers. Churchgoers they were, but Protestants, despite the Catholic-sized carload of kids. The Perry's farm was a 167-acre lot that was to eventually become part of the Stanbury estate, an estate Bob would one day be more involved with than he could ever have imagined as a child. In 1952, when Bob was just a pup, Rupert Wettenhall and his wife Janet, also known as Mrs. Wett, bought Stanbury. Rupert had already made a name for himself as a pioneer of the Corridale sheep breed in Victoria. 
He had been the stud manager at Elko Park, a large stud at Lara, near Geelong, owned by James Francis Guthrie. Guthrie lived from 1872 to 1958 and was in the truest sense a wool man. As a young fellow, he was employed by Dalgety & Co., a prominent Australian stock and station agent in Geelong, and spent a couple of years at textile mills in Bradford, England. In 1902, during a trip to New Zealand, he married Mary Isabel Wright, a Dunedin girl and daughter to one of the country's most powerful wool-broking families. Guthrie contracted anthrax while examining a sheep in New Zealand and lost half his leg, but none of his zeal for wool or its bearers. By 1904, he had become the most powerful wool valuer in Australia and was a prominent member of many Melbourne establishments, including the Melbourne Cricket Club. In 1919, Guthrie was elected to the Australian Senate as a nationalist and took up a seat in 1920, which he held until 1937. He was, by all accounts, outspoken on a good many cultural issues. He was much against the Bush capital, as Canberra was known by its detractors. He despised profiteers and Bolsheviks in equal measure and deplored the degradation of British standards that came with the American stranglehold on Australian cinema showings. He bursts from the pages of the Australian Dictionary of Biography as an affluent, often cranky, but extremely busy man with a flamboyant passion for promoting his most enduring achievements, Corridales. He had properties in New South Wales, the Northern Territory and Victoria, but the one of most interest to this story is Elko Park, because it was there that Guthrie's long-time personal secretary, Janet Parsons, was to court Rupert Wettenhall, Elko Park's station manager. It was Wettenhall who was the brains and brawn behind the Corridale breed that had evolved solely from Stud Merino and Lincoln sheep breeds and which, by 1951, formed the most significant non-Merino purebreed sheep in Australia, with Elko Park winning every cup it competed for in 1947, 1948 and 1949. In his Memoirs of a Stockman, the world-renowned Australian sheep expert Harry H. Peck noted that J.F. Guthrie has the best Corridale stud in the world. Rupert Wettenhall had been managing the stud and classing wool there since the 1920s. He went on to purchase Guthrie's prize rams when his employer retired and paid record prices for all but the jolly jumbuck he'd stashed away in his friend Bob Pettit's chook shed in Freshwater Creek. This phenomenal sire was later known as Bulgandra Regal Status of Stanbury. He was never defeated in his show career and the sheer magnificence of his stature, size and fleece attracted overseas visitors who came to marvel at him and pay record prices for his offspring. He lived from 1950 until 1960 and sired more sheep than I've had hot dinners. <laughs>